Flow is a deep form of presence and connection. That's what it means to me. Because when I see people who are in flow, they're not needing to effort more than necessary. There's still work. There's still this need to have some effort and there's discipline involved and there's surrender involved, but it's the right equal amounts of all of those together. Hello, beautiful. I'm your host, Samantha Roberto, founder of the Vibrancy Method program, and I am honored to be your life and mindset coach today. I believe we are most vibrant when we are authentically ourselves, and quite often, it's our challenging moments in life that shape us to be that best version. I also believe that deep down, we all have an unshakable confidence within us, and sometimes we just need to be reminded of the light within and who we truly are. So here, we share empowered women's stories to highlight the importance of honoring the journey and to learn from their lessons. We've got a great episode for you today, so let's get to it. So I'm super excited about today's episode. We have my dear friend, Emily. Emily and I met a year ago in the hype of Clubhouse. <laughs> so for those of you guys who are familiar or know or remember, Clubhouse you know, really blew up. It was January, February, March of 2021. And uh, she and I instantly connected. So Emily, thank you so much for being here. And I cannot wait to see where the conversation goes. Samantha, it's so good to be here. And um, I know I'm thinking about all those rooms that we held in Clubhouse. And uh, it's so fun to actually be on here and just be able to talk to you. (laughs) It's our turn to have these like long conversations. And what I love about this, like what I want to highlight, because in life, really, you never really know when you're going to cross paths with someone, you know, and every day, like could be at a coffee shop, it could be on social media, it could be in clubhouse, but like in life, it's constantly giving you these gifts where paths cross. And if you keep your energy open to paths crossing and to meeting people, you never know where it's going to go. So um, I'm really, really excited about this conversation because as you guys know, around a year ago this time, I put the podcast on hold. Behind the scenes was going through an energetic and emotional burnout. Um, and funny enough, it's actually one of Emily's uh, topics of expertise. So my dear, I would love to you know, sort of hear a bit about you first and then go down that energetic management route. So tell me a little bit about yourself. How did you get into the work that you're doing? Yeah, I'll keep it as short as I can. This is always uh, the, the question where I could spend the most time on. Um, but I started out actually working with children, even as young as I think 11 or 12, I was babysitting, I was nannying. Um, I ended up becoming a school teacher. So that was really where my work started for me, thinking I'd be working with children for the rest of my life and uh, being an educator. But what I started to understand was that I wanted to make a bigger impact and that I needed to start to work with adults and the child inside of the adult and the different aspects of them that weren't healed and uh, how that was coming up in their creations. So that started to shift into um, teaching more yoga, meditation to adults, and then realizing, oh, I need to be working people who are big decision makers of the world, people who are creating, and those are founders. Those are people building businesses that are infiltrating the world and with their ideas. So I started to go deeper into that. And I moved to San Francisco from the East Coast in 2015 and was living in Silicon Valley. I was working with a lot of tech founders or coaches, people in wellness. I still work with both. 
And at that time, I was offering these energy sessions and teaching deep forms of meditation all through an ancient mystery school. And it was really wild to see, um, you know, how tired, how burned out people were. But I'll share a little bit of my story as well of how, you know, why I'm so inspired and passionate about teaching about burnout. Um, because we truly do not have the capacity to create the bigger things in the world unless we are able to hold more. And we just simply aren't when we have different things that we haven't worked through on a deep level. And there's a lot of ways in which people you know, try to work through things, uh, whether that is unconscious beliefs through affirmations or through you know, even some meditation retreats. But what's really difficult is for people to integrate that. And when I was younger and I was, this is about 10 years ago, I opened up a yoga studio and I always thought, well, if I'm doing what I love and I'm doing what I'm super passionate about, that the energy will follow, but it couldn't be further from the truth. And so this is why I'm so passionate about helping founders and um, why it even shifted even deeper into niching down even more into tech is because the startup world and the startup ecosystem is a, it's a really tough place to be. And when we got on Clubhouse, I just kind of fell into that role where I'd be getting invited um, onto these stages, you know, because I was working with founders in, in tech and wellness prior to COVID. But when COVID happened, I couldn't be doing the in-person work. And so when I was on Clubhouse, that's when I was getting pulled onto these stages um, with BCs or the startup club. And I didn't really think that I would be so needed in these areas, but it just sort of fell into my lap to be running rooms on stress management and uh, also bringing in other experts in meditation um, or wellness or mindset. And that was just amazing. And I was like, okay, I think I'm supposed to do something even deeper with this. Also, I don't think I'm supposed to be in San Francisco anymore. Also, I think there's something even bigger than I'm meant to be doing. So now, um, you know, a year later, I'm here in Portugal, here in Lisbon, Portugal, and I'm, I'm still somewhat nomadic, um, but I've been here for three months and I'll still be traveling uh, in the next few months. But I'm doing something much bigger now where I even have taken on a role as a co-founder in a tech company. That's fast growing and really helping with this ecosystem I was talking about. Now, I couldn't be running three businesses right now if I hadn't solved my burnout issue because even there's some moments I'm like, oh, I'm edging. I could be edging burnout, but I know I have certain tools and certain ways to modify and modulate my energy to pull myself back. And so that's a big part of what we can talk about today is how do you know, like if you're even burnt out or you're just tired, how do you know if you need to take a step back and for how long? Mm -hmm. And what does it look like to um, move beyond burnout and not just be in the cycles of it? Because I think a lot of people, they get tired and they find the energy again and they rest and they, they pull back and they find themselves in the same exact situation. It may look different, but it's the same cycle of how they move their energy. And even here in Portugal, I had a, um, a tweet go viral on you know how literally you're, you're borrowing from tomorrow to push through today. And that's just one way to understand it. But we can definitely go deeper into it in our conversation of like what, what this really looks like and, and more. I love it. I love it. So I'm going to pull all the way right back and just go with just for anyone listening. What is burnout? We are going to the basics. Can you explain what burnout is? 
Sure. So burnout actually was only coined recently in in the 1970s uh, by Hubert Fredenberger. And essentially it's compassion fatigue or it was considered compassion fatigue. So this was usually the people who are in the industry of helping others and like what therapists, teachers, et cetera. Um, But what we now see in our culture is that it's not just compassion fatigue. It's this deep level of fatigue from like really putting way too much energy um, and feeling um, mentally exhausted, mentally exhausted so much that it also affects your body. Essentially you blow out your circuit. And so different things that you may see when you're burnt out could be that you have no patience, you have apathy with burnout. You also will notice that you just don't, it's not about just not caring because that's more apathy, but you get to a point where things feel like they just don't matter and you don't have, and when we think about compassion fatigue, it's hard to connect with yourself and it's hard to connect with others because that's so normalized in our world. We don't always realize that we're burnt out. So that lack of connection is a big sign that you are experiencing burnout or burnt out because that's normalized in our culture. Mm-hmm. People don't realize that they're burnt out. And so there's so many other things we could look at because people might have physical issues like stomach aches, hair falling out. Um, They may have sleepless nights because there's so much anxiety. You can even be experiencing inertia. So people who are burnt out, they're like, but I have energy and I can keep working all day long. It's like, yeah, but are you actually producing something? Are you in the hamster wheel? Because that could be a sign of burnout. You can be going, going, going. It's almost this feeling you can't stop yourself in this impulsiveness, but it doesn't actually mean that you are in flow state, that you are in a certain peak performance that you could be if you were consistently pacing yourself and not neglecting your own needs. So burnout happens because of self-neglect and to like boil it down self-neglect and this not really understanding your, your worth and prioritizing the wrong things so much that your body, your brain, your energy system, it starts to fail you, right? And you're, you, you are forced and cornered into stopping if you don't know how to stop yourself. So it's almost like, a, it's almost like the body's way of shutting down if you don't know how to stop yourself. The body keeps the score, right? And so do you find most people literally takes being on the floor? Like it literally takes just like your body completely stopping you before you realize, before you actually take action? Because I mean, you're working with people all the time. At what stage of burnout do you think like the flags start going for them where they're actually like, okay, I need to do something about this? Because if we can be proactive, right? If you're noticing some of these symptoms now, you know, it's going to be helpful to just, you know, to do something about it. But normally it takes... What I've seen is it it sometimes takes you the rug being pulled under you or you being at the bottom before you actually go and make change. I think for some people that is true. I think for some people you need to learn the hard way. Um, but I also feel like there's a lot of people who burn out and never come back. Mm. Um, and so I, I think we have to look at it as personality types and, and um, adaptability because mm-hmm. some people are extremists and so. They learn through that contrast. They learn through that contrast to find their center, but not everybody learns that way. And so some people, they, they just, they burn out and it, it's sneaky and it comes up slowly. And all of a sudden it's like, you just don't ever see them again. You never see them post. You never see them return. 
And you're like, whatever happened to that person? Because I loved what they were sharing or I loved how they were showing up. And then their essence from the world is just gone. And we're robbed of that. Mm-hmm. You know, we're robbed of that. And I, I think this is something to think about of like the passionate change makers of the world. Like if we just think we always need to learn through burnout, um, we're going to waste a lot of time that we could simply be showing up and sharing. And mm-hmm. so we have to look at that statement of like, do we need to learn through burnout? Or is that just a very dysfunctional way that um, we've just trained ourselves to be in this world to produce? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the cycles of burnout, because you had mentioned that there, there's the cycles of it. I'm curious with um, with COVID and with the restrictions and with everything that happened, like, do you think there can be a burnout from just the exhaustion of the never ending regulations, could there be a a type of burnout that people could be feeling from that exhaustion? Oh yeah. Because I think we have to look at brainwave states. So when you understand like how the, how the brain functions in different meditative states. So you have beta brainwave state where the mind is very active. This is when you are on the computer, you're scrolling through Instagram, you're solving problems, you're driving your car, you know, you're, you're in a place where you're alert and you're on alert, right? Then we have alpha brainwave state. This is when you might be going for a mindful walk with your dog. This is when you're maybe practicing yoga or you're doing breath work, or it could be you're doing something creative, like drawing a picture or doing something interesting. If you're a graphic designer or you're in even some art, even if it's on the computer, it can still be meditative. And then even deeper than that, we have theta brainwave state, which is when you're pretty much like almost asleep, but you're not, it can feel like you're in between those worlds of wakefulness and sleep. Um, Or you could just be flat out dreaming and you are asleep. Um, But most people have experienced this uh, even for a few moments in meditation where their head is like moving to the side and they are, they're like, did I fall asleep in meditation? And then we have something even deeper, which is Delta. You literally would be in a coma or um, it's very, very deep sleep, or you've been meditating for years in the mountains and you'd be able to get there for just a you know, a few minutes, um, and have, and have access that you're in it, but not truly at the same as theta where you can, you can probably like live from that place. Um, if you, with enough training, um, to some degree of being able to access the, the unconscious that takes a lot of work, but it's possible, right? It's not, it's just not possible to be in Delta and be aware. So we think about these different levels of awareness and let's go back to beta where you're on high alert. Mm-hmm. So when we think about the pandemic, you are on high alert. You're like, okay, if I go to the grocery store, am I going to get sick? If I meet this person, am I going to get sick? If I go on a plane, I got to get a test. If I, you know, whatever it is, there's so much to navigate. Also the uncertainty of when do I go back to work? And when am I going to be able to see my parents? Am I able to, you know, get married or whatever was going on during that time period? And still, I mean, Canada, I mean, there's been so many restrictions. So for me, it's like, oh, everything's back. But Canada has gone through so many waves of that. So we think about needing to be on alert. And if you are on alert all the time, right? So a lot of startup founders that I work with, for example, or women in wellness, and you're constantly on alert because you're in the survival mode, any kind of survival mode will eventually exhaust you and burn you out. So if you're constantly in that space and you don't know how to rest between the edges and you don't know how to come back and self-regulate the nervous system and go into those deeper states of meditation or receive energy work, I was grieving um, four family members 
not connected to COVID, losing them in eight weeks, um, not being sure about my business, you know, and so there are all these things that put me in a survival mode. Luckily, I had all these tools. So it gave me the composure Mm-hmm. to ride it out and still actually be of service to others. But there still was this, okay, modulating my energy and understanding where do I need to pull back right mm-hmm. now? Where do I need to actually not worry about my business right now and deal with this mm-hmm. and um, not to bring too much stimulus into my system because I'm like, I need, because I'm aware of what I need to process and how much that energy takes. So when you start to be honest with yourself about how much energy something takes then you can be like, wow, this process that I'm in right now of being here in COVID and and dealing with this, this is enough, even though I'm used to having more, this is, there's a lot going on here. And this is, this is going to be taxing for me. So I'm going to pull back on some other things. What I saw happen in COVID is that all of that's happening in the background and people are trying to do more. They're trying to create new routines. They're trying to start new diets. They're trying to start all these new things online and they're bombarding, they're bombarding themselves. So there, there was a lot of that during COVID. I'm curious of what your thoughts on that were. You know, I love the way that you explained the, the, the brainwave states, because I do feel that even though we were at home, our bodies and our minds were in high beta. So as you're going through this phase or this period of uncertainty, deep uncertainty in the outside world, it's like, okay, what can I do to fix it? Unless you're doing and have the awareness to, to do the deeper inner work, it's band-aids. You had, you had mentioned earlier about band-aid solutions. It's like, yes, you can put a band-aid over the wound and another band-aid and another band-aid, and it might help short term, but the, the passing wound underneath is, you know, you got to be able to kind of go in and do the surgery on it and uh, have the right tools to go in to the root of, of what's happening. And this is really, like, really what I love because we, we have burnout. We're talking about burnout here. Then we're sort of getting into this energetic management, right? So there's energy management and things we can do. First thing you said was awareness, right? Having the awareness that, oh, maybe this isn't the way I'm supposed to be. I love that you said, step back, allow yourself to just chill, take things off your plate and then manage your energy. But then when you learn how to manage your energy, then you go into this other area a flow state, which I cannot wait to kind of, you know, pick your brain about too. Hey love, while I hate to interrupt this totally magical episode, I do want to talk to you about your inner mean girl. Your inner mean girl is the voice inside your head that blocks you from lining with your best feeling, most confident, magnetic, purposeful, and abundant self. Having awareness to the stories that she's telling you and holding you back is the first step if you want to change. So to find out more what limiting stories she might be telling you, feel free to take my free inner mean girl quiz that is going to be popped into the show notes. Now let's get back to today's episode. Energetic management. For somebody who is listening and realizing there may be an area of their life where they're this is ringing true. What can you do with energy? I mean, energy, we can transmute it, which is taking one way of being and shifting it to another. We think about manipulating energy, but how can we transform energy? How can we not just not just change places like musical chairs? How can we actually transform one way of being into another? How can we influence a space rather than a space influence us? With energy, we can. Can you also, repeat that? That was really good. Yeah, repeat sure, that one sure. more time. So, with energy, how can we influence the space rather than the space influence us? 
Mic drop. <laughs> okay. How can we influence the space as opposed to the, the space influencing us? So good. Continue. So in my training in uh, the ancient mystery school that I've been training in for 11 years now, a lot of this goes back to hermetic teachings, these esoteric principles of working on what we call the etheric energy body. And that's our willpower. It's very difficult to access this. Um, it's almost like an energetic surgery that I do for people where I could go in and I'm able to help shift something and transform where there's a stuckness. And because it's such a blind spot or it's, it's a space that you're not able to necessarily access without enough training to go in there on your own. Um, it's amazing to have someone help facilitate that. And so once you have that energy flowing, because something that was um, just imagine, you know, we think about burnout, right? Imagine like you have the hair dryer on your house and the heater on and got like all these things going at once and um, the electricity just blows, right? And it's not that you don't have electricity, you're paying the bill um, and you have it. It's just that you, you just need to flip the switches back on. And I think that happens a lot for people when it comes to burnout is so when we're influencing a space, it's not just about awareness. It's about being turned on about being fully turned on in your being because when you're fully turning turned on your being and the lights are on you can see you can't see if the lights are off mm -hmm. and so that's what makes a difference for people because even if you want to be aware if you walk into a dark room you're just trying to be you know you might you might like you know trip over something it's like you might feel your way around it but it's it's not a complete thought it's you're not able to truly put words into the emotions that you're feeling so it's just it can be very incomplete and eventually you can get there but imagine getting there in a quicker period of time this is what happened to me i got there in a quicker period of time because i was always aware to some degree but because i was so aware as a child in a big way, I started to learn how to shut down because it was too much. And I think that happens to a lot of us, right? We were so aware at a, as a young child, we didn't know what to do with the information. So we started to shut down. Well, as adults, we need to turn that back on because as children, we know how to claim space, how to take up space. You know, children are big, <laughs> they've got big energy. They don't care, you know, they're, and everyone has a different upbringing and, and maybe there's certain moments of their life where they experience mini trauma or a big trauma that started to create the smallness and pulling in and questioning of the power. But if you're able to turn those lights back on, be aware, then you know how much space you're taking up. Then you can feel more worthy to take up that space. And then you can also decide what do you want to fill with the space? Mm -hmm. And not question, is it okay? Because you are giving yourself permission. You don't need the permission. You don't need the permission to be joyful in a messy world. You don't need permission to be upset in a happy moment, right? Even if you're, it's like, oh, this, is, this isn't incongruent to feel joyful, even though this would be a joyful moment, I'm actually feeling this way. And to actually allow yourself to be vulnerable and go in and be truthful. So even though we think, oh, sadness is, you know, not you know, positive vibes only. It's like, no, actually sadness is like, there can be a lot of truth in sadness or what are we actually sad about? And we can bring truth to that space. So I think when you have your lights turned on and when you start to use your willpower and you're not afraid of taking up that space, you truly can influence it. 
the problem is we're influencing spaces, whether we like it or not. So it could be when you're having a bad day and you go to the grocery store and someone is like paper or plastic and you're just like kind of in a grumpy space. And you know that you're influencing that cashier. You know that you're influencing even just a person walking by. When you have a smile on your face, you're walking down the street, it impacts someone. But we can amplify that even more when we're truly owning it, whether it's you know negative or positive. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, you know, I, I honestly think it's our responsibility, right? Like your energetic yeah. currency. I, I, I speak it as, as, it, uh, yes. as your energetic <laughs> currency. I'm like, you know, it's, it will actually open doors of abundance. Like when you can turn that light on, it's crazy the way that life can work for you. And even when it feels like it's not working, you're so sure of yourself that you're like, I know what's working in an indirect way. And I love like, I love the metaphor that you use because it's just having me want almost like you can think about it as you're listening to this, like, is your light turned on or are you blindly walking around in the dark? in your life, in certain areas of your life too. Cause you can even think with career or relationships or different specific areas. Sometimes we can have the light turned on in work, let's say, but then we're avoiding relationships and it's like, we're in a dark room in relationships. So really getting curious whether or not your light's up. So what are some grounded, um, practical tools that people can go to, to help them? If, if this, is relating to them and they're like, okay, I need to something now. (laughs) Like one, you'll have to check Emily out. We'll have all of our info in at the end of the episode, but what are some things that we can do? Sure. Um, So the first thing, as we're speaking about awareness, I think organizing your mind is really clear, really clarifying, right? So writing and journaling for me has always been an important practice. Mm -hmm. So writing down different things that are going on in my world, being able to assess is key. So you want to know the things you don't know. You want to have questions instead of just coming to conclusions based on your limited perception of reality. Because we think we have the answers, Mm -hmm. but if you're questioning or going back and forth about it, that's a great thing to journal. Like, I don't know about this. And being able to give yourself space around the questions that you might have. And then the next piece is going into meditation to go into those spaces And so I really like in terms of grounding techniques to do a body scan. So there's a body scan that I teach um, as a part of a longer meditation, but something that really helped me because I started meditating back in 2006 um, in a Buddhist temple. And I remember looking around and be like, are people actually having fun? Are people actually having their minds quiet? Are people actually going inward? And I would always just like peek (laughs) and just kind of see what was still happening, waiting for the bell to ring. Um, And I, I had a really hard time. And it was until I went deeper with certain meditation techniques that I think really worked for the modern mind because my mind is so busy. I know that happens to a lot of people that I work with as well. They've got a very creative mind, fast mind, bombarded mind. There's a lot that they're processing. So to be able to do a body scan where you're going from your feet all the way to your head, using a specific breathing technique that is the tongue lock that's going to relax your nervous system and open up the pineal gland and doing it in a way where you're commanding your body to relax, going up the body, giving yourself time because we're not able to be in our bodies we're not going to be able to access the subtle energy. Mm -hmm. And I think people just want to skip to, okay, cool. I want to access energy. It's like, well, first you need to get in your body because Mm -hmm. that is your superpower, first of all. Mm -hmm. And you need to be in your body to access spiritual power. And so many people, again, just chase the high. And so if you chase the high of spirituality, but you're not unwilling to be in your body, um, you might be tampering with certain energies that are actually aren't good for you. 
um, and are could be very misleading. So journaling questions, sitting with it in meditation, feeling into certain places that are uncomfortable. Um, there's so many different places you could go with, with meditation from there, but I think that's a really good practical tip to start with. And then another aspect to look at is when it comes to energy is what's draining you and what's recharging you and doing this over a course of weeks, months, because you aren't going to be able to tell yourself the truth until you're ready about what's actually draining you and what's really recharging you. You may think something is recharging you, but it's giving you bursts of adrenaline. It's giving you a high. Um, I know there are moments I was like, yeah, dating totally recharges me. I love going I love meeting new people. And it's like, no, actually, this is just me being in like a high of getting attention or whatever it may be. But I was actually feeling a low the next day because I was, you know, not I wasn't taking care of myself or I was staying up too late talking to people. And then I was trying to go to the gym the next day or whatever it is. So recharging can look like different things at different times in our life because we go through different seasons. So it's really important to um, keep up on that and not just say, okay, this will always recharge me and this will always drain me. Something that has drained me in the past now recharges me Mm -hmm. to some degree. So an example um, would be maybe travel. Maybe at some one point, traveling was just like really exhausting, especially during COVID, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the peak of COVID. And now it's it's really great and I love it and I get a lot of energy from it. So again, different things will drain us or recharge us at different times. Um, and if we're not being honest about that or just exploring that, you're missing out on seeing how you can manage yourself because these things are happening day to day. And then another uh, one more uh, tool that um, people can consider is, you know, in terms of routine, in terms of routine and like what works best for you. I I know not everyone can do this because some people have a nine to five job and they're expected to just like be camera ready for meetings at a certain time. However, if you have more flexibility in your life and you're, you have a bit more um, say in how you create your schedule, it's really important to think about what are, the, what are the peak times for you to do that work? Because it's not always about the work that you're doing in the world. It may be the time range you're trying to do it in and not understanding of when your most productive hours are and when you need to play and when you need to rest and when you need to be doing um, deep focused work. So that's another huge thing that most people miss out on because they don't have the choice. But now I think with COVID, the silver lining is that more people um, have a bit more freedom and flexibility in their schedule. So that's something to consider. Uh, and it's why so many people want to leave their job is to have that freedom. But with that freedom, comes yeah. responsibility of finances. So if you're able to have, you know, you're not, you're not necessarily need to hustle for money and you're, and even you don't need to, but there's a time and a place where you're building a business and we all go through that struggle of um, trying to figure out how to flow our energy in a certain way. But if you are in a place where, you know, the nice thing is if you do work a nine to five um, and you do have that flexibility, you might have a bit more security. And so when you do go out into the world and you start to decide, oh, I'm going to make my own business, you've already figured that out. So it is nice to have those things set up to really understand yourself on a deeper level. Um, because I know for me, uh, as an entrepreneur, I've made many mistakes 
on just trying to work 12 hour days, um, thinking that I'm going to be productive all day long from morning till night or morning is like an ideal time for me to work. No, no, no. Like I realized I need to work out during that time and do my morning practices and hang out with people and do tea. And then like from 3 PM to, you know, 8 PM, those are the hours I work, which is most of like when people are get out of work. So these are things that we all need to figure out for ourselves because I'm like, I like to have the morning and the like more like the early in the day off. Um, yeah. And then I, I can get into those deep flows later, uh, the deep flow state. I love it. You know, I think the big thing with this, it's like one, having the awareness and then two, being honest with yourself. Like at the end of the day, we know what works for us, but it's a matter of taking that personal responsibility, getting curious about it, and then being honest with what's going on in your personal situation, Right. Um, when I'm thinking about this, so I'm going back to the dark room. I love the analogy. I'm like, so here for it to like being so lit up and like full light on. I'm thinking of like the super black room as like the burnout state and then turning up the light. It's like, you're getting the energy management. So can we talk a little bit about like, if your light is just totally on, you are like as bright as they come. And, uh, for me, that would be like being in a flow state. So I would love for you to share a little bit. What is flow? Yeah. So flow it's, it's interesting because I even call it an optimal state, but in my perception of reality flow is just our baseline. If we didn't have all the trauma we've been through and we didn't have the structure of the world that we live in flow would be what is most normal to us. It would be how we're just showing up And it would be how we exist in the world, right? Because it's just presence. Flow is a deep form of presence and connection. Mm -hmm. That's what it means to me. Because when I see people who are in flow, they're not needing to effort more than necessary. There's still work. There's still this need to have some effort and there's discipline involved and there's surrender involved, but it's the right equal amounts of all of those together. Um, And There's structure that's needed because think about a baby in a womb, like in order for something to be created, you need the restriction. You need the structure. Flow isn't a free-for-all. That's for sure. That's something that I've learned because flow requires you to have precision with where you're directing your energy to. And if you're trying to send it in so many different directions, um, you're not really in flow. You're just like a squirrel robot, like chasing lots of shiny things, right? And it can feel like you're in flow, but I would argue that that's you and adrenaline and you're in a high and eventually you'll come crashing down and you'll not have the same energy. But when you're in flow, you're accessing chi, you're accessing this universal power, this universal energy that that sustains you, that even when you stop working, you're not really tired. Or if you are tired, it's like a happy tired. You're like, yeah, I used all my resources today and I'm going to bed and you wake up refreshed. Like if you go to bed, happy, tired, like, okay, good. I did my workout. You don't feel that underlying anxiety. You're not worried about the next day. It's like the, I know what I need to do attitude. So imagine you totally lit up. Imagine you overflowing with this energy you are not going to be in a place of feeling scarce and lack because you're going to have enough energy to overflow to people. So it allows you to be more generous. It allows you to be living life alive. It allows you to make more uh, scary decisions in your your life. Leaving the comfort zone is really tough when you're tired and you're like, I don't want to have to do this. It's the resistance. You can still feel resistance even when you're fully lit up because I think we should always still be going to our edges of like where there's a little bit of fear, 
where we're going to step into something bigger. So I don't think that even when we're totally lit up, there's no subtle resistance, but there's more of that curiosity that overpowers that resistance. So it doesn't actually feel like, oh, I got to go do this thing. It's like, oh, I don't know, but I don't, I want to see what happens. So I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm a little afraid, but I'm going to do it. And, and when you arrive, you have enough energy, even if you're being stretched, you have enough energy to adapt and adjust to the next level. Now, what happens when you don't have enough energy and you're trying to go to a new level of your life, you'll feel like you're climbing up a slide and then just like falling back down to the bottom because you don't actually have the energy to sustain that next level of your life. So even when you're just trying to climb up that brick wall, I've done it so many times in my life. And the the key foundation here um, is, is the energy of presence, awareness, and letting go of the old. Dropping some (laughs) truth. That is a truth bomb. Listen up, ladies. Letting go and creating space for the new, right? So often there's this paradox because I, you know, I see it where it's like, oh, I I want these things. I have this vision. I want, you know, I see where I want to go, but we're unwilling to create any space for it. Right. Yeah. Because you're still holding on to old dynamics, right? It's old dynamics and the kind of relationships that you have. mm -hmm. And this is something I've definitely have worked on. And I'm sure you have too, where it's like, you can bring in a certain kind of person and they're so cozy and familiar, even though it's not exactly what you want and you want the bigger life and you almost want them to have the bigger life with you, but it's, it's not going to work out that way because you haven't actually let go. And so you're just creating a new pattern and you're trying to pull people along the journey with you. But when you actually let go and you sacrifice maybe the people that aren't going to come with you to the next journey, I think that's the toughest thing for women is letting go of the people that can't go with you to the next adventure. Mm -hmm. Trusting that they'll see you and be so inspired that the people that really want to keep up, they're going to meet you someday. Mm. They're going to join you, but you can't, wait for other people to be ready to go to that next level. Mm -hmm. And when we think about burnout and that compassion fatigue, where is, where is some of that around relationships? It may not always be around work. It could be around your codependent relationship with your clients. It could be around maybe wanting to do more, wanting to have a bigger life, but the partner you're with or the kinds of people that you're dating are pulling from you. And that can happen a lot in sexual energy. So that that burnout doesn't always have to come from working too hard. It can just be efforting too much in the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. It's like efforting too much in the wrong direction where you're not allowing yourself to really be in congruency and alignment with what it is that you really want. So you just, it's like you're fighting yourself all the time. And that's like another thing about burnout we have to look at is like fighting your own desires to please other people, to keep other people around, neglecting yourself in any form is really the core issue of burnout. It's exhausting, right? And all of these inner fights are happening beneath the surface inside of you. And until you get the awareness, you know, you're not going to, the same pattern, same situations, same things are going to pop up in your external reality. You got to look within everyone. (laughs) Listen to Emily. Really? You've done, you've done a lot of this digging. Um, it's, it's not glamorous. It's not sexy. It's not hot to pull back and not be producing, um, not be dating, not be going out, not being social, um, going through some ugly feels or what we what we believe is an ugly feel. Um, you know, when you're so used to maybe projecting, 
expecting a certain appearance on the outside, especially, you know, like when you do have a social media presence or you do have a network of people or people who see you a certain way. And then, you know, adjusting to that next level, the boundaries. So a big, big piece of this to let go is creating the boundaries of how are you going to protect your time and and how are you going to like settle and sink into a self-worth where you don't overcompensate, right? And you don't give more than you need to, whether that's saying, hey, I can't take on this meeting this week, would love to meet you next week for a client who's like, I really need to talk to you this week. Mm -hmm. Or it could be, you know, your family really wants to see you. And it's like, you know, I, or talk to you and it's, it's like, hey, I've got a lot going on with XYZ or um, a friend that just really needs your help. Like we are so sympathetic as women. Um, and so creating that boundary of empathy and keeping yourself in the picture of, is this serving me right now? How can I be a best friend, daughter, sister, you know, partner? If I pull back in my work or if I pull back in my giving, think about like a bow and arrow, I'll be able to accelerate and I'll be able to give even more soon. Um, But we have to like slow it down at one point and be okay with not knowing, you know, is it a weekend that we need to take off for just ourselves? Is it canceling? You know, we're so used to showing up and and never letting anybody down. Um, But some people are flaky and they're constantly saying yes to things and they're not able to show up. Right. And I I had a lot of those people in California um, who they just never were showing up um, for like things that we meant to do. And it's like, well, I have compassion. I think they're just burnt out. You know, it feels like they're just taking on too much, spreading themselves thin. They can't keep up with their commitments. Um, But it's much better for relationships and for work if we pull back. And I think that's something that COVID has taught us to some degree, but not everyone got the assignment. And I know that because I did the assignment before COVID, I was okay with doing it in certain moments during COVID. Yeah. I know the the price I've had to pay, um, but it can feel very uncomfortable when you're used to being in what we think is a flow and then shifting. It's like turning on a different um, lever. Or like It's like shifting the way in which you access your energy. Mm-hmm. From adrenaline to to actually natural chi and, and, and universal power, mm-hmm. um, that is really confusing because it can feel so similar, mm-hmm. but it requires enough time to go inward to have discernment and turn up the volume with your higher self. Mm-hmm. And if you're not able to get that information, um, you're probably just repeating old patterns, and that's where we go into the, yeah that cycle of burnout. You know, the thing is, especially as women, um, we see that where we want to, you know, take care of everyone else and we're constantly like, you know, nurturing everyone around us, maybe people pleasing, maybe doing this, but you know, there really is that trade-off within and something that I found helpful for me is, you know, choosing to be that, but for my eight-year-old self and my 80-year-old wise woman, like really Yes. Making that commitment to her and to her because we can be selfless, right? And it is a very, it can seem on the surface from society. It's like, oh, you're so selfish, which is totally backwards, but it is a, you know, it's, it's not, it's actually selfless because when you do that inner work and you commit the relationship you to you and you to your eight-year-old self and you to your 80-year-old self, all of a sudden the spillover to every single other person, whether it's, you know, your partner, your coworker, your employee, the person in a coffee shop, you're able to share that joy, share that love, share that light per se, everywhere you go. And, you know, that is contribution. 
Absolutely. And it's less coming from a place of being a martyr, like oh, I got to go support my friend and do this. And it's, it, it's more of like, it's not so much this transaction. It's, oh yeah, I've got enough energy to share right now. Yeah. That is, if you want to, you're excited to show up for them. You're not worried about what you're going to get back. It doesn't have to be tit for tat. It's just, yeah, I'm going to show up for this person. I'm going to bring love to this situation. Um, and we forget that in our reality can be like that um, because we're so run down to the ground. Yeah. From all our commitments. Mm-hmm. Well, and I love this because it's sort of winding it, winding it up. Um, you know, how you ended up on your journey, you were working with children or you started the journey, you were working with children. Then you're like, wait a second, I need to work with adults, inner children. And then it kind of evolved to this, to this, to this, to this. Um, and it comes back to it. It's like really coming back to that child within my love, where can people find you? Like, you're just such a wealth of knowledge. And I feel like we could just chat all day. I almost want to keep going, but I'm like, oh, I've got things to do places to be. Um, but it's been really fun to be here and have this really important conversation. So places that people can find me. Um, one, I've been loving Twitter lately. I've been sharing some like one-liners there, which has been fun. Just funny. Cause my friend was always like, you've got these one-liners. And I was always like, I don't know where to put them. And like recently I was like, I should get on Twitter. Um, and that's when I've been just kind of like shower thoughts and sharing them um, there, which is fun. And I also will repost those to Instagram um, here and there, and I'll share reels and, and thoughts of the day. So if you want to be inspired, I'm, I'm on there pretty much every day. Um, and then, yeah, a little bit on, let's see, Twitter. Facebook, Instagram, but mostly Instagram and Twitter. I think really like those are the places that you'll find me every day. And I have my website as well. Um, I am emilyleahy.com and you can get also a meditation track um, to go through the 10 minute meditation that I was talking about. So that would be a great resource um, for those of you who are needing to start somewhere and start to work with the subtle energy by getting in your body first. Beautiful. And we're going to link all of this in the show notes. So definitely go check those out. Thank you, Samantha. You're doing good work with the podcast. So I'm excited to have you back. So good. So glad we could have this conversation. Awesome. Thanks, Sam. We'll talk soon. Thanks for listening. If you love today's episode, we have many more amazing topics to come. So make sure to subscribe to never miss a beat. And since you made it this far, take a screenshot and tag me on Instagram at Samantha Roberto and tell me what was your biggest takeaway? I want to know if you're looking for even more support, make sure to check out samantharoberto.com for more information about my coaching packages and stay tuned because next week we have another incredible episode being dropped. And don't worry if you're super eager, we have a whole bunch of binge worthy life-changing episodes already posted so you can keep going there. Remember, you are most beautiful when you are you. So turn up your light and shine and we'll see you next week.
So I would love for you to share a little bit. What is flow? Yeah. So flow, it's, it's interesting. 